0: May the Lord bless our time in his word this morning. I have for you this morning a tale of two engineers. See, once upon a time, I lived in a land far, far away called Texas. Great place. And once upon a time, I used to go to Texas A&M University, and I was in the engineering department. And I had a friend. Her name was Julie. And Julie was a good Roman Catholic girl. And as a good Roman Catholic girl she was contemplating going into the convent well she told me about this field trip she was going on and this field trip was going to be visiting different convents so that she could get to know some of the sisters well it apparently was the third of its kind and appropriately enough it was called nun run 3 ah, oh that was prime about one t-shirt, one magic marker, and 30 minutes later, the unofficial Nun Run 3 t-shirt was created, complete with running nuns. It was, it, was, it was my finest hour. But I was thinking about that a few years later, in the fall of 2003, as I myself, an engineer, had left the engineering career in order to come to the seminary. And I received a postcard in the mail telling me that my friend Julie was joining the poor Claire's here in St. Louis. Well, I started looking through the postcard and it told me about the different vows that she was going to have to take. And one of those vows was a vow of poverty. And I started thinking about my own life and what I was going to have to do being here at the seminary. Well, I was going to have to have all of my stuff put into storage, but in the end, When I graduate, assuming I don't blow this sermon, uh, I will get to go back and get all of my stuff, put it in the U-Haul, and take it with me. But my friend Julie will be spending her life in the convent with none of her things. And I started thinking to myself, does this matter to us? Does it matter that she gives up all while I only put my stuff away? And I started thinking, why does it matter ...in our text today. You see, Jesus is confronted with a question... ...what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, right off, we would want to think... ...Acts 16.31... ...believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty easy. But Jesus throws in this whole... ...sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. Well, then maybe we're having to look at giving away all of our possessions... ...in order to follow Jesus... Of course, this is prime timing because I just bought season four of MacGyver on DVD... ...and I have not watched it yet. So, goodbye Richard Dean Anderson. Farewell, mullet of mystery. I began to think, why must Jesus ask the man to sell all his possessions? Does God hate possessions? I spent my last year on vicarage in California... And many of the people live in communes. Many of them have only enough possessions as they can fit into their backpack. And they hitchhike because nobody has a car. And I started thinking maybe God wants us to get rid of all the things that we have in our life. And I started thinking about Mark chapter 6. See, Mark chapter 6, he sends out his disciples. And he says them to them to take nothing On their journey, except a staff, no bag, no bread, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not take two tunics. And then we look at John the Baptist, a man who lived on locusts and wild honey out in the wilderness. Then there's my friend Julie who was giving up everything. And I look upon all of you today. And I think about how many of us have had to give up the careers that we've had, have had to give away so many of our things because we couldn't take them with us here to the seminary. Maybe God hates possessions. Maybe he doesn't want us to be greedy. But if God were to hate possessions, then that were to go against much of what the Bible tells us. You see, we have the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were so wealthy, had so much, that whenever they traveled through the land, whenever they went through city or nation, kings and pharaohs took notice. David and Solomon were some of the richest people in history, and yet they were still followers of God. We have Jairus, who had possessions, we have Joseph of Arimathea, who had his own brand new tomb. We even look at saints of today and we see that many of them, like Bono from U2, are able to have possessions and yet do great things for the Lord. As Paul said in Philippians 4 11 and 12, I have learned in whatever circumstance I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned how to be content. And so maybe the question is not about our God-hating possessions. And so I started looking back on it. And I thought about how Jesus could be asking the man to make a commitment. He's drawing a line. He's wanting the guy to prove Just how willing he is to follow Jesus. What better? Sell everything you have and then follow me. Oh, I started getting revved up. And I started getting images from Braveheart. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That scene where he gets on the horse and he's riding along. And he comes up to the lines with the Scotsman. And he's saying to them, And as you're dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that? for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and to tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Yeah, yeah, let's go kill English people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, William Wallace. And so I go to Luke nine sixty two, and it tells me that no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so I think, all right, let's sell everything we have and let's prove to God just how worthy we are to be His disciples. Come on, brothers and sisters, Amen. But then I ask myself, what if the man were to sell all his possessions? Would he then be good enough? In Mark 2.17, Jesus says, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. All we have to do is look at Jesus' own disciples, and we can see that to be true. We've got Peter, who just uses his mouth constantly. And Jesus calls him Satan once. We look at Thomas, who's told about the resurrection, still doesn't believe until Jesus waves his hands in front of his face. We have James and John, the sons of thunder. And the two of them use their mother to try and get a higher place in the kingdom of God. Jesus is not waiting for us to prove ourselves to him. You see, each of us is imperfect, and we will never be perfect on our own. See, that's the thing, is that no matter how much we sacrifice, it will never be enough. So even if the man were to sell all he had, it would still not make him worthy to be Jesus' disciple. So I ask myself one more time, why must the man give away his possessions? Why does Jesus ask him to give away his possessions? So I look in verse 21 of our passage today. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Kind of ironic that when you love someone, you ask them to give away all that they have. When I love someone, I give them more possessions. Seriously. The Christmas season? Hello? And by the way, if anyone's interested, I still don't have seasons three and four of Knight Rider yet, so... I was thinking, what is it about this that is showing that Jesus loves the man. And I realize that what Jesus was doing was offering eternal life. You see, Jesus asks him if he knows the commandments. And the man says that he follows them. But there's only a listing of four through ten. Jesus deliberately leaves out the ones that has to do With loving God. And following him. Because the man had taken his possessions. Which he had so many of. And made them into an idol. And Jesus just wanted him. To see what he had done. But instead of confronting it. Instead of dealing with that. Instead of looking at that sin that was in his life. When God himself was staring him in the face. And saying. This is you the man walked away. When all Jesus wanted him to do was to cling to him who had for him the greatest possession of all, eternal life. You see, Jesus Jesus knows about sacrifice. This is the same Jesus who would then give his life for us. But not only that, the same Jesus who would then rise again, being the Lord of all creation, being the giver of life, in the power of the Spirit. And so this Jesus was wanting to give this man a new life, a new life in him, a new life that clings not to possessions, but that clings to him, and that clings to To the Word of God. And so, what we find here is that Jesus truly does love the man. And he wants him to hold on to what really matters eternal life in Jesus Christ. So, do we see Jesus hating possessions? No. Possessions are not inherently evil, that's not the point. Do we see Jesus trying to get the man to prove just how worthy he is? No. Because the man will never be good enough. What we have is Jesus loving the man and calling him to cling to what really matters. See, even as my friend Julie and I strived as hard as we could to cling to what mattered, giving up what came along to give up in order to do so, Each and every one of us is called to cling to God and to look to Him for all that we desire and all that we need. So I ask you today to go forth knowing not only of the idols that are in our lives, but also that we're forgiven and also that we have the grace of God for that. And that in the new life in Christ, we are given new life to cling not to the earthly possessions that will fade away, but to cling to Christ Jesus and in Him, the greatest possession of all, eternal life. May God grant that by the power of His Spirit and His Son. Amen.